Hey everyone, this is Eddie Kalegi with Tim Moore reminding you that Sportspeak is now powered by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the one-stop shop for tickets to sporting events, concerts, and so much more. Use the promo code SPORTSPEAK at checkout for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, let there be live. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Sports Speak Live. It's episode 142, recording here on a Friday night, live together in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm Eddie Kalegi. And I'm Tim Moore. As you guys would probably have seen, as you know, we're working with Motorsports today. We've brought it under the umbrella. Me, Tim, Adam Tropper, we are all here uh, in Pennsylvania. We're covering the NASCAR race weekend in Pocono. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, again, recording this Friday night. We were there on Friday in the afternoon and in the morning a bit. Got a good experience. Got to talk with Christopher Bell, Kyle Bush. We've posted a couple YouTube shorts on this channel if you want to check those out. If you're listening on Spotify, go to our YouTube channel and check some of those out for some extra content. But we've had a lot of fun. A little bit of rain, but, you know, I mean, every single NASCAR weekend does rain at this point. So Yeah, every single weekend to this point had some sort of rain. But it's kind of funny because the last weekend that didn't have rain was the last weekend I went to, which was National Super Speedway. And you look at this weekend, I mean, the energy for a lot of these guys, not just, you know, four series at once throughout the entire weekend. But this, to be honest with you, is the kind of weekend, folks, that's going to set the tone really towards the end of this regular season. I mean, a lot of questions. Chase Elliott, you know, is he going to make the playoffs after missing? He's going to need to win to get in. Of course, he has a strong track coming up. Watkins Glen, uh, same thing as well. My my favorite driver, Alex Bowman, you know, he's technically still has a chance of points, needs good points days, but he's constantly struggled and hasn't had a top 10 finish, I think, since coming back from his injury. Mm. So for Bowman, how's he going to bounce back? And of course, Bubba Wallace, you know, in that mix, Michael McDowell, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Daniel Swan, Suarez, all guys that need good days this week. And I honestly think we're going to see, you know, last year it was very hot here at Pocono, but I think we're going to see, you know, the uh, well, cooler temperatures, of course, this weekend. Uh, thank God we got through the rain now, so it's through the entire process. But the point is that I think we're going to really see, you know, cooler heads prevail. And really, I wouldn't be surprised if these tempers prevail because we're getting to this point where every point matters, every lap matters, and really every pass you make on the track matters. Yeah, weather is supposed to be really nice. Knock on wood, of course. I got wood right here, so I'll knock on it. But 70s, uh, not going to be too hot because last year it was brutal here in Pocono. It was in the 90s. Uh, but Tim, talking about the track itself, we know drivers say it's a challenge and it's so different from anything else we see on the circuit. We got three turns. They're all new, unique. And when we were driving up today, you mentioned how this is a little different than most tracks we have on the right. schedule now because it's a driver's track and we just don't really see that that much anymore. Right. And, you know, to think about it like this, there's only, to my knowledge, at least going into this weekend, only three drivers. When you look, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Bush, and oh, goodness. Uh, having a brain fart on who the other one is. Uh, maybe it's Brad, Brad Keselowski. But either way, the point is, is that three drivers, oh, I'm sorry, four, MTJ. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, there's only very few drivers that have raced this track two 500-mile races in the past in one season. As time has gone on about Pocono, and I'm going to be interested, I'm going to try to talk to Denny Hamlin tomorrow if he has availability about his perception of this, but this was a track we used to see two times a season. It used to be very huge for the NASCAR, um, you know, not just media, but as well as, you know, driver preference. A lot of guys like the challenge this track brings, but overall what we've seen, you know, about this track is time's going on is, you know, and you mentioned difficulty with shifting and everything, three different corners, it, especially with this next gen, it takes a lot of energy out of the guys. We've seen this track now become one 400 mile race rather than even the double header we saw a few seasons ago. So I think going into Sunday, you know, and I think Kyle Busch, I think when we, we talked to him earlier, kind of hit it on the, on the head, you know, he talked about his struggles at short tracks and how, and Christopher Bell actually as well talked about how he, they kind of view this track as an intermediate, not really a bigger track or so on. And a lot of the tracks that unfortunately aren't on the schedule, such as Indianapolis Oval, you know, which is the closest comparison, I would say to Pocono, these guys don't go to at all. So there's going to be a lot of notes being tossed around. There's going to be a lot of challenges, but one thing that I noticed in 
truck qualifying as well as ARCA practice. Ryan Vargas, give him credit on Twitter, pointed this out. There was a lot of drivers loose in the tunnel turn uh, today in practice. And again, cooler temperatures, typically that's going to mean a lot more grip for the most part. And granted, ARCA car is different from the cup cars. But the point is, is that if those kind of cars and trucks in the case are having a lot of grip issues, I'm very eager to see what happens when we get to the next gen and practice tomorrow for the cup series, because that means that really, I would say, you know, in the past where I would argue your race can be won or lost on how good you are in turn one, I would argue more than ever, even I would say for the first time, maybe even 10, 15 years, the tunnel turn may be the key corner this week that if you have that mastered, you may control this race from start to finish. Yeah. And we know the tunnel turn pretty well so far, at least in our time here, because that's, how we get into yep. the track this is why it's so fascinating i think people sometimes overlook the fact that it's called the tunnel turn because there's literally a tunnel that goes under it from the regular road and you go in and we got to experience that we had to get back to the hotel in the afternoon and it was during truck qualifying and as we were coming out of the going back into the tunnel we saw the track above us and we saw kyle bush and ross chastain go by and qualifying so there's unique views it's very exciting down in the infield area and again Motorsports Today is the place to go. MTR, SPRTS Today on Twitter. Uh, we're going to have a lot of coverage. And also, of course, our website, site, sports-speak.com. Had some articles. We're going to have a lot more coming throughout the race weekend. But uh, we'll have a little more to talk about at the end of the show regarding this race with Adam Trapper. He's going to come on in just a bit. But uh, let's transition to some other sports because this is Sports Speak. And uh, what just happened, we're actually going to talk soccer for a second because I think it's significant. So Lionel Messi. First appearance for Inter Miami in MLS competition. It's in the League's Cup against Cruz Azul, so they're not actually playing an MLS game, but uh, it's it's a big match nonetheless. And Messi's debut comes in as a reserve in the second half and gets a free kick in extra time and wins it in the final minute. I mean. With LeBron there, Kim K was there. I mean, it does not get more storybook. No, that. it doesn't get more storybook. And honestly, granted, a lot less media coverage, I guess you could say. But for me, processing it, it's equivalent to Jean-Carl Stanton's first game with New York Yankees, where he goes and he mashes two home runs against Toronto on the road. I view it for Messi, of course. Messi is a polarizing star. He's a figure in sports. Every kid growing up wants to be either one of two things, Ronaldo or Messi. And of course, there's other superstars as well. But my point is more of, you know, there's not more polarizing figures that I can think of in sport. You know, maybe Tiger Woods, LeBron James, of course, the biggest one in terms of basketball. But you talk about setting the tone, his first game, you know, with a new club. To set the tone immediately and set what is a game seven moment, that is what Messi's all about. Granted, soccer different, of course, there's no game seven overall, but every goal matters, every moment matters. And the fact that he could share a special a special moment, not just with his fan base, to set game one of the season, but also think about it like this in regards to the fact that, you know, I'm not saying that he's setting the standard and expectations high, but... I think it can only get better for here if you're Messi and you're a fan of Messi. I think it's absolutely huge and a wonderful day in sport, definitely, to uh, have a moment like that that really was nationally televised and covered all over the place. Because to be honest with you, usually a lot of these bigger televised events and so on and hefty, you know, hefty, heavy media coverage typically end up being upsetting more often than not. But the fact that we're seeing a lot of positive feedback, a lot of people really talking about it shows just how special of a moment it was. Yeah. And more specifically, not just a special moment in sports, but a special moment in American sports, because you think about with soccer too, we've never seen a player of this caliber come over from Europe and go to play in America. I mean, this, with the exception of like David Beckham and stuff, we haven't seen super a superstar like Lionel Messi embrace MLS and come and play here. And especially when you contrast it with Cristiano Ronaldo, who everybody debates with, he decided to kind of take the bag, go to Saudi Arabia, which was his choice. But Lionel Messi instead goes to America, not making as much money, at least in the contract. But if you look a little deeper into it, he's got an ownership stake in the team. He's got an ownership stake in the league. He somehow got an ownership stake in Apple through his whole contract. I mean, he he, he secured the bag too. But it, it, it's just crazy to have someone of this caliber, one of the greatest athletes in the world, come to play in America. And you mentioned the expectations. I mean, they've got to be sky high because MLS's history of 30 years, we have never seen a talent to this level come and play American professional soccer. No, absolutely you haven't. And I also think about it like this is, 
it sets a standard as well from an American standpoint of if you can get arguably the greatest to do it here to come play in the MLS, moving forward, it only really sets the tone for other future greats that you would love to come see. And I'm not saying that American sports is the center of sports media, but it's a lot bigger than other countries because a lot of, you know, there's a lot more diversity and understanding and appreciation for sport here in America. That's not taking anything away from other countries for the record, but here in America, it's the only country I can know where, for example, you can have big sport that's a national pastime like football you know think about how big basketball is you know here in america as well it's not you know i mean it's big in china you know big in other countries israel especially but here it's just as big as it can be you know baseball same thing japan of course and korea they have massive leagues but in other countries not as much so the fact that you're able to get you know, Messi to America and make such a big impact. Again, I think it opens eyes. And that's the big thing. It opens eyes to the MLS. And it, it, again, I think, you know, when we talk about contracts for professional athletes, we always talk about, you know, setting yourself up for the next guy, especially when we talk about Major League Baseball or football, you know, getting these contracts to only make the future better. For Messi, it may not be exactly that standard because there's not many players that are Messi, but the point is more the fact that it sets the tone of, hey, if I can transition from somewhere else, come here, play in America, play in the MLS, and set the tone immediately and be my own identity still, I think others can do it, and that's the big tone that I think also gets set. Yeah, I think so too, 100%. And it's going to be fun to see what he can do throughout the season. Inter-Miami is all the way at the bottom of the Eastern Conference table in Major League Soccer, but still a few months to go. That season goes very, very long. So time still for them to turn it around and maybe rally and somehow get a playoff spot. And Lionel Messi makes a great statement in his debut. Let's go from uh, European football to American football because it is the end of July. And training camps are open and preseason's coming soon. So it's a fitting time to bring back our little conversation from last year and run it back here for a second time. The NFC East, the Eagles versus the Giants. We're going to go through both schedules in just a moment and give our record predictions for both teams. Now, last year, I will give you the credit. The Giants did much better than I expected. I did not see that coming. I thought they were going to be under 500. They impressed me. The Eagles still own them. The Eagles are much better than them, but... It was a good year. It was a great year. We beat Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. We proved that we were far better than Minnesota. And Brian Dable established that he's not just one of the best coaches in the league, but that this team is going in the right direction. And not to jump the gun a little bit here, but as much as people are freaking out about Saquon Barkley being a playmaker, you know, what is going to happen? Will he play? Will he not play? Uh, I think when you think about a big picture for the New York football giants, with or without say, yeah, I mean, are they going to lose more games without Saquon Barkley? Absolutely. But you have to realize opportunity. Of course, they just signed James Robinson today, who I still think could be a very effective running back uh, in the NFL, given the right coaching and opportunity when he's let loose to, you know, freely roam the backfield. Um, but, you know, with that being said, that still doesn't replace the two-way threat you have of Saquon. So I hope that the Giants can figure it out. But at the end of the day, I still feel very confident in Daniel Jones, which is something I would not have said last year going into the season. I feel very confident now that we've had Cole Beasley, who I call wide receiver one, just because I love him to death. I think he's a really nice slot receiver. Um, but, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in Jalen Hyatt. I think that he'll be a nice add. And I think a lot of people that everyone is underrating, obviously, yes, Sterling Shepard got hurt last year. He's been a key contributor to this offense season in, season out. But I really think the one to watch out for the most, Wondale Robinson. I think that, you know, after that big ACL injury, he's going to come back. I'm not saying he's going to have a thousand yard season, but I think that he's going to play very effective downs for the Giants. And the other thing too, could he maybe in the, the special teams game? Could he do some punt returning and so on? He's explosive. And when the ball's in his hands, not to compare him to Kadarius Tony, but that was his best comparison when he got drafted. I feel that you can't really have two Kadariuses. So Wandale's in a great spot, a little bit shorter, of course, than Kadarius Tony. Um, and I notice how I'm not even giving any notice to the trolling job he's done this offseason. But the point is, is that I have a lot of faith in Wandale. I think that he's going to have a decent season. And this, I'm not saying this team is going to, 
be explosive offensively. I still think it has a lot of work to go through, um, but it's definitely going to be a lot better than last year. And I think the red zone is going to be the key focus point for Dable as it was last season. Well, let's do it. New York Giants 2023 schedule. It opens September 10th against the Cowboys. Now, of course, with Saquon Barkley potentially holding out. I mean, it's it, that's not a meaningless factor right. here. Not having him while they do have, you know, they have resources in the backfield. James Robinson is a good running back, but not having Saquon, we know how important Saquon Barkley was as a healthy player last year. To get I the still playoffs. think, though, when you look at the Dallas rivalry, and granted, I know the Cowboys, just like the Eagles, have owned the Giants over past years, but a lot of the closer games, historically speaking, has come when the Giants host Dallas. So with that being said, I mean, week one, you're hosting Dallas Sunday Night Football. I mean, I think there's no better opportunity for them to come out, start the season on the right tone. And I also want to say this. I don't want to bring down Dallas because, again, Michael Parsons, once-in-a-lifetime defender. But that team, let's be honest, when you looked at it on paper, and they're going to have a decent season. I don't want to discredit that either. But I don't feel like this team really got better in the offseason outside of its receiving core slightly. I don't feel that Dallas has made the next step to be better than the Eagles and compete in the NFC East. And we also have to remember this. The NFC East this year is going to be far more difficult. And really, the records are going to be a lot less than we saw last season. Because let's be honest, all the teams in the NFC East last year had a relatively easy schedule. The only easy team now in the NFC East is Washington. That's just how it is. But the divisions are going to be playing. I mean, for example, the Giants, who we'll cover in week two, that's a 50-50 game on how it can go. Who's the starting quarterback? Is it Brock Purdy? If it's Trey Lance, I think the Giants have a chance. But if it's Brock Purdy, I don't know, because that offense can still be explosive. And you can't ignore that defense. The, the What makes San Francisco so good is that defensive ability. So I think overall, looking at games one and two, I think the Giants could edge out Dallas. But I'm 50-50. If I'm given a Trey Lance start, I'm going to say the Giants start 2-0, but if it's a Brock Purdy start, then I'm going to say 1-1. Well, there is a game in between. Oh, actually, yes, yes. Right. I'm sorry. So, you got the you got the Giants beating the Cowboys. Right. I've got the opposite. It's it's the Dallas Cowboys. They lost in week one last year. They're going to bounce back. They had such a pathetic ending the last season, which, as an Eagles fan, I enjoyed, but I, I think, I just feel like Dallas is due to have a good start to the season this year. But you also have to remember who's calling the plays. And Mike McCarthy is a lousy play caller at times. So, yeah, but Dak versus Daniel Jones. Okay, well, Daniel listen, Jones doesn't have Dak, Saquon. Okay, well, two things. Got to remember this. We're talking about Saquon Barkley holding out. How about Zach Martin? We don't know what's going to happen with Zach Martin. That's the best offensive interior lineman in the league we're talking about. You know, if he doesn't have his key protector up in front of him, that could be dangerous. And on top of it, I mean, Dak Prescott said, hey, I'm not going to throw more than 10 interceptions this year. I can guarantee it. The last time Dak kept a promise to Cowboys fans, he let him down. Not to go all Stephen A, but he did let Cowboys Nation down. So I wouldn't be surprised if, yet again, it's an absolute letdown. And I also have to remember this. That receiving core they have has a massive injury history outside of cd lamb you know they brought back um they, they, they brought back gallup of course but when you look at that team overall i mean what brandon cooks is really the x factor could brandon cooks be healthy if he is he's a thousand yard receiver if he's not he has hit injuries and, and in particular which has been a big uh focus point unfortunately throughout his career I don't think Brandon Cooks will have an effective season. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying he's not going, but it, yeah. it's the X factor for the Cowboys. Well, yeah, I understand that. But in week one, at least with the health and the age of the receiving core, that's not going to matter as much as it will later down the line right. when the Giants play in Jerry World, which is for this reason, I'm going to go with Dallas to win this meeting. Now, week two against the Cardinals, I don't know who's starting for Arizona. They're bad. Kyler Murray is not good, even if he's healthy. Giants that's are winning that one. So they don't even have chosen Anderson anymore, man. Rondale Moore is like the best. And maybe is AJ Green still a Cardinal? I feel like we, or did he retire? I think he retired. Retire? See, yeah. I, I don't even know who's on the Cardinals anymore. And it's sad because that team had DeAndre Hopkins, that team had JJ Watt, all these people to build what was going to be a dominant, dominant offense. And it turned out to be nothing. Then they play the Niners. I think. <laughs> Again, for me, that was 50-50, yeah. just because it depends who's quarterback. It really does. I truly don't think Trey Lance, just like Justin Fields, is a game changer. I, I, I feel they have great athletic ability. 
but they're not going to score a lot. It's just as simple as that. And to put the to, to put the pressure on the back of San Francisco, I'm not saying that the defense again, San Francisco, I just complimented their defense, how elite they are. But you're eventually going to be due for a bad year. This defense is still relatively the same as it's been the last three to four seasons. So when I look at that in paper, it's like, just for example, the Jets, right? You look at the Jets defense this last season. Can they repeat this season? It's very hard to repeat constant success in the NFL. So for me, San Francisco defensively is due for a bad year eventually. But I still think they're going to win a lot of football games and really compete for that NFC West title. But will they win this one? I, you you got to make again, the call. I'm going to say the Giants win because I truly believe Trey Lance will be the starter in that scenario. But I still think Brock Purdy, come late in the season or middle of the season, will be starting games for San Francisco. I think Brock Purdy is going to get more benefit once we get through preseason than some people might be thinking. I think it's completely reasonable that there's a chance that he could be starting that game in no, week three. If so, that's a win for the Niners. I, yeah, I'm going to go with San Francisco to win this game. I think it's going to be close. So I've got the Giants at one and two. You've got them at three and oh. Then we've got the Giants at home against Geno Smith and the Seahawks. I think they can beat. Seattle. I want revenge. If you're if you're the Giants, that was the one game last year that set everything in a down uh, downhill spiral. Was that loss to Seattle, and then the Detroit really set them down into a down uh, uh, a downhill spiral. But overall, I would say. I think the Giants are going to seek revenge, even if they're 3-1 and one at that point. That's still a really good start for Dable's group. And I honestly think, I, you know, it's funny, I just talked about defense for uh, San Francisco. I honestly do think we're going to see opposites prevail again this year. I'm not saying Russell Wilson's going to play elite quarterback, but I honestly feel that Gino's going to take a step back this year. I really don't think he is capable of repeating what he did last season because, again, Gino was a mediocre quarterback for a reason for a very long time. You don't just magically find success unless you're Kurt Warner and become an elite level quarterback. I think that that offense isn't really different from last season either. And granted, it's Pete Carroll, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I just think that offense is taking a step back. So you got them four and now I got them two and two. Then it's against Tua and the Dolphins. I have the Giants losing this one. I, it's in Miami, right? Yeah, I have so, them losing strictly because it's in Miami. And and that's it's because these it's are two very flawed teams, in my and opinion. The the other thing you have to remember is when you're playing a Tua offense, healthy or not, you know there's going to be explosive offense and that's what it's going to come down to. You talk about, you know, the San Francisco game again, defense, defense, defense talk about, but when you're playing teams like Miami, you have to score the football. And I don't feel the giants are ready yet to put up 30 points a game. They're getting there one step at a time, but it's not there yet. And I think that one thing about Tua that was so good last season before getting hurt, he was off to a hot start. And that's what put Miami in a position to ultimately after their struggles, make the playoffs late in the season. So four and one, two and three, the giant, they have another night game. This is getting insane is it, here. Is it Washington? No, it's Buffalo. Buffalo. Four night games in the first six for the Giants. We have evolved from the days when the Giants and Jets would both play at one o'clock you know, every week. On paper, I would say Buffalo's going to beat New York. But it's Brian Dable, old team, Joe, uh, Joe Shane. What do you want to do? You Josh wanna, Allen, Daniel Josh, Jones. Right, right, but it's more of your old place. You want to make a statement, say you're here. It would be a great thing, but... I mean, again, it's just the same exact conversation we just had about Miami. Offense. Can the Giants' offense, especially in prime time, keep up? And I don't feel Buffalo's defense. By the way, Buffalo had an upsetting defensive season last season compared to standards. I feel like they're going to turn things around this year. I still think they control the AFC East. Um, not firmly because Aaron Rodgers is back now. But I think that that's going to be a very interesting game to see, but I have Buffalo winning. All right, so four and two, two and four. Next game is the first meeting with the Commanders at home. I don't think we need to discuss this far. I don't even know who's going to play quarterback for the Commanders at that point. I don't even know if they're still going to be called the Commanders by that point. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, three and four and five and two. two. Uh, Then Giants-Jets, Aaron Rodgers against the Giants. We beat Aaron Rodgers last season. You did. So there's that. And it's also, well, who, I mean, granted, it's technically both a home game, but whose home is it? The Giants? The Giants home game, technically. I don't know how to feel about that game. 
I, I feel like the Giants could win it, but I really do want to emphasize, I do think the Jets are going to be a big playoff contender this year. I really do. And I think Aaron Rodgers throws for 5,000 yards this season. I think he's going to get back to what he was after being riddled with injuries last season and having to battle through a lot. Yeah, and people keep forgetting. It's not like he's been washed for all these years. He won back-to-back MVPs before last year. Like, he's been good. He had a bad year. He's had down years in his career before and stepped back up. I know he's getting old, but he's got all the resources that he'd want with the Jets. Plus, they have some incredible young talent on that team as well. The key, too, for them outside of the passing game is Brees Hall coming back. If Brees Hall could be what he was before he got hurt, that team will be unstoppable offensively, let alone the defense. So looks like so you you got that as a Jets win. I have that as a Giants Giants win. win barely. All right, so you've got the Giants now at six and two. I've got the Jets pulling this one out. So I got the Giants at three and five. So we're 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 we're, we're spreading apart here. November fifth, Giants and the Raiders. I think the Giants go to Vegas and win this game. Yeah, I can see that. I don't even know again who's going to be quarterback for I, Las Vegas. it's going to be Jimmy G. I think defensively the Giants can figure out Jimmy but G pretty easily. Typically by the season, Jimmy G's hurt. That's yeah. also the other that, problem. That's true. Um, but I, I feel Las Vegas. I don't think they're going to be a playoff contender this year. But again, Jimmy G has set surprises in the past. So four and five, seven and two. Then Dallas in Jerry World. This is my surprise of the season. I think. Both games between the Giants and Cowboys are going to be won by the road team. I think in November, as the Cowboys age, I think the Giants are going to get revenge from week one. They almost won at Jerry World last year. In some ways, they maybe should have won that game. I think they're going to do it. I think opposite. Actually, I think they're going to split with Dallas. Again, I think that the Giants are due to drop games. And I mean, is that that's not a primetime game. It should be, what, a 425, right? Yeah. So America's game, of yeah, the week. America, yeah, America's game of the week. Um, I just think again, you know, I don't want to discredit Dallas, but at least from the start of the season to what they get in the middle, it depends on how much of a groove they find. But I think that's gonna be another one of those close games. But I have Dallas edging them out. All right, five and five, seven and three. Next meeting with the commanders. W, that's I have them sweeping Washington, yeah, and if too. they don't, that's a disappointment. So six and five, eight and three. Then they play New England Thanksgiving weekend. One o'clock game at home. You would think I would have this be a walk in the park, but it's Bill Belichick. So I, I would hope they beat New England, but I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't at this point nine wins, but I, I just don't feel like it's going to be an easy game. I don't know why. I don't think so either. I think they're going to lose it. So six and six, nine and three. Then it's a home game against the Packers. I don't have any faith in Jordan Love at all. I think 10 and 3. That's that's what I think. 7 and 6, 10 and 3. Then they go to New Orleans. There's been some wild games when they, the last two times I can think of when they've gone to the Superdome, there was the game where the both teams almost scored 50. And then there was the game where Saquon had the game winning touchdown. So those games are always down to the wire with the Saints. I would like to say the Giants are going to win that game. But it comes down to how good New Orleans defense is this year. I mean, Derek Carr is going to play Derek Carr football. That offense is still going to be decent, but it comes down to how consistent they can play productive football. And also, to be honest with you, uh, what's Taysom Hill's role going to be on the offense? Is he going to play some snaps even though Derek Carr's there? Is he going to play tight end primarily, fullback, whatever it is? You have to still embrace Taysom Hill's ability if you're going to want to be successful in New Orleans. But Again, I think the Giants edged out, but I think that's a high-scoring game. So, you, if my math is correct, here, eleven and three. You've got the Giants at eleven and three right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've 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 got the Giants winning this game to get to eight and six. Then we've got the Giants and the Birds for the first time at the link. That's a loss. Yes. I, and for the record, I will just get it right through right now. The Giants will not be Philadelphia at all in the regular season. Okay. So that's that's you already have five losses right right there. Yes. So eleven and five, and uh, so, so then for me, that's eight and eight. Eleven and five, eight and eight. Sandwiched in between the two games with the Eagles is a meeting meeting with the Rams on New Year's Eve. I don't know what to expect with the Rams. I really don't. I I, I have a feeling they're not going to be good, but the I think they're going to be elevated by the fact that the rest of the West could all be on a downswing. So, yeah, I, I feel like you know what. 
think we're on 12 to 5. It's hard, though, because it, it really depends what version of Matthew Stafford you get, how good that offensive line is. That's the difference maker. Unfortunately, I think Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers, goodness, Matthew Stafford made his bed where he's really back in Detroit again, just in L.A., and I just hope that he can be healthy and play productive football because it's honestly sad to think about the fact that we talk about somebody that was a borderline MVP the season before, if Aaron Rodgers didn't go off, wins a Super Bowl, carries the team to the promised land, and now we're barely talking about him being even a starting caliber quarterback for a team in the NFL, which blows my mind. But again, that's how reactive we are in media. So I, I feel that, I hope Stafford was a bounce back year, but I think the Giants get it done. Yeah, to me, here's my feeling. The Rams could be good, but I don't see a world where Brian Dable drops three straight games to end the season because he's a very good coach. And also, I don't know. I I just don't really see a way that the Giants lose three straight games to finish a season. And I bet that they would finish below 500 last year and that didn't happen. So I've got them nine and eight. You've got them even better than last year now when they supposedly have a harder schedule. So I'm still trying to uh, piece this logic together here. 12 and five, but difficult teams. I've given some of them games too. We'll see what happens. But overall, what's going to come down again for the Giants? Offense. It's not going to be the defense. It's going to be the offense. If offense can play productive, Daniel Jones can get back to the rhythm he wasn't last season and be even better in the red zone, the Giants are going to be great. But for the record, 12-5, and that sounds like a great record. I still don't think they won the NFC East. I think it's Philadelphia that walks away with the East this year. All right, let's see. Let's go through the Eagles' schedule now. Philly lost some key pieces. Uh, CJGJ doesn't really like being uh, associated with Philadelphia. I cannot blame him, even as an Eagles fan. Why do you go and steal someone's car after you won? I know Philly fans are insane and they do crazy things, and that's inexcusable. But... I'd say there's like a one millionth of a percent where you'd understand it if they lost the game and he was part of the reason. He was your second best defensive player the entire season and you won. What is the logic? But whatever. I digress at this point. Um, The Eagles, I think, are going to be fine. DeAndre Swift is a perfect little swap out for Miles Sanders. Defensively, O-line, they're aging a little bit, but a lot of these guys seem pretty timeless out there. And, of course, the defense, you've added so many pieces and just had another elite draft. Howie Roseman, it's just been on a revenge tour since Jalen Rieger. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter is going to be the difference maker defensively if how hot he starts out. And I hope he doesn't to say have a cave on Thibodeau type year, if you get what I'm saying, where it's like all this expectations, injury sets him back. And then he just, I mean, he makes a big play, but it's like the, you were, it's just the potentials there. You could see it, but he just isn't able to explode and show it. You know, we have to remember Philadelphia last year, what made that team so special outside of Jalen Hurts playing excellent football and A.J. Brown being an excellent receiver. That team sacked a lot of quarterbacks and nearly set the single-season sack record. When I look at this team this year, I think it's going to be hard to replicate in regards to that number. But I still think they're going to have a lot of sacks. I think they're going to lead the NFL in sacks. And this defense, regardless, again, the secondary was overhyped last season. I'm going to be honest with you. The secondary is what I would argue lost the Eagles the Super Bowl last season. It's well, not maybe the, the turf well, well, yeah, and Patrick Mahomes. But, but, but it's more of it, what I'm saying in terms of the secondary is a little bit overhyped. But also when you weren't able to get a single sack of Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, that also tells it, especially when you have an elite pass rush. So I think, again, the story for the Eagles this year, how dominant you could be in your front four. If you can turn around, you can immediately get pressure, especially from the linebacker position. This team will dominate defensively. I'll even argue, I know from fantasy purposes, for those fantasy watchers out there, I'm going to even make this argument right now. I know a lot of people talk about Dallas with takeaways. I will argue that the best defense you may take in fantasy football this year may just be the Philadelphia Eagles with the uh, potential this team has for strip sacks and takeaways, even stuff on special teams as well. But again, they need to provide pressure. If they can't do that from the start of the season, we'll see what happens. That could lead to them losing football games. But I think the Eagles are going to be just fine. I also think another positive, like 
I know everybody's making the jokes that they're the Philadelphia Bulldogs at this point with all the Georgia players. When you're in a defensive unit and half the guys are guys you played with in college and won with, I think that matters a lot because you have a general idea of who you're working with, what their attributes are, what maybe their weaknesses are, and having all of them out there. Not to mention, I mean, obviously, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, both legends, they're aging. They're getting old. They're performance has really dipped over the last couple of years. You add Nakobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter in the last two years now to that defense, to that front seven on the defensive side, you're in a good spot. No, absolutely. You're in a great spot. And again, it also has to do with New Orleans kind of being, I don't want to say dumb, but, you know, in terms of making horrible trades with Philadelphia, really put them in a position. And I'm going to be honest with you with the draft. I mean, I wasn't surprised I got Jalen Carter, but I really thought that Philadelphia and how Roseman was going to say, hey, you know, you have a top 10 pick. Maybe we trade it away for more value for the future and continue progressing as we've done every season in the draft in this point. And I feel, again, Philadelphia is a powerhouse right now football it's just a matter of can they win the super bowl and the other thing too is and i know we're talking about the defense can jaylen hurts keep the momentum that he had last season a lot of hype going into the season i believe uh cbs ranked him third ranked quarterback in the nfl behind patrick Mahomes and josh allen it's going to be very difficult for a quarterback of his style to win football games for, for example, his rookie year, if you're not going to complete passes precisely and really find your rhythm or, uh, or lack of finding your rhythm early on in games. Jalen Hurts is, as much as I, I talk about Daniel Jones being an improviser, really Jalen Hurts is an improviser because of how he reads the field and how he sets himself up. So if that offense is going to dominate, it starts with Jalen Hurts and it ends with Jalen Hurts. As much as A.J. Brown's a dominant figure, this team needs a leader you paid him to be a leader so he's gotta have to be a leader if you're gonna want him to be the superstar he's advertised to be and he will be the leader because i think the eagles schedule fits him perfectly because the eagles start out easy and they finish easy they have a tough middle but you can ease into the season and then at the end you get it to calm down a little bit before the playoffs so i think the eagles have the really the ideal schedule here let's roll through it quickly they play new england in week one I think this could be a close game, but the Eagles are going to win it. Yeah, again, it, it all comes down to, as I mentioned in the Giants uh, prediction, you know, it comes down to Bill Belichick's defense. And it's not a first-year quarterback, so you don't have to worry about that. But it's more of, I don't see really the hype in New England. I don't think Mac Jones is good. I don't think anybody they have under center is good. So they're going to have to figure something out. But the only way they're going to win games is defense. And if you're going to beat Philadelphia, you need to set the tone week one, play good defensively. Eagles and Vikings, uh, the last two times the Vikings have come to the link, they've gotten absolutely demolished. Yeah, That's not well, I mean, the, when your young receiver is doing Henry Ruggs levels of speed in, on the highway, um, I don't think that's going to be a very long tenure. 140 miles an hour, that's, that's a bit crazy. But, you know, in all seriousness for Minnesota, I mean – you have the offense, but it's the same situation we're talking about last season. Can they make a stop defensively? Can they be big? Minnesota, five years ago, what did we talk about when they were potentially a Super Bowl favorite? You want to hit Case Keenum under center. This team can play quality defense, but it's aged. It's not progressed. And even with getting guys like Dalvin Tomlinson, who I thought would have helped them uh, two seasons ago. This team's just not getting pressure the way they should. I mean, yeah, they rack up the sack numbers, but it was their pressure that forced turnovers. They didn't really do a good job of that last season. And Justin Jefferson, give him credit, best wide receiver in the league, in my opinion. He's made a lot of plays. But I also want to remind you, every good receiver eventually has a bad season injury-wise. I'm not saying he's going to get injured this year, but it will happen eventually. This team, I can't imagine doing good things without Justin Jefferson. And that's the problem I have with them offensively as loaded as they are. I don't think they're that productive once you take 18 off the field. I also have just never seen a team be this bad against the Eagles in the last six years than the Minnesota Vikings have. So 2-0, 2-0. Next game's against the Bucs. Another team that's got a weird quarterback situation. That's a win. Uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield won the Baker. Heisman, but, you know, uh, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. What a coach, Todd Bowles. I don't understand how he has a job in the NFL. 3-0. They host the Commanders. That's 4-0. Uh, then we got the Rams on the road. 
This is my first loss for the Eagles. I could see them really. I could see them stumble in LA. I think there's going to be a game where they stumble. They're not stumbling in Washington again this year. They are not losing a game to the Commanders this year. You can come back to this video and prove me wrong if it happens. They are not losing the Commanders this year. This could be the one iffy loss early in the season. I don't think they're going to lose to LA. I have them winning this game. I don't. I don't think there's a chance in any universe they lose this game. All right. Well, I, really don't. I, I don't. You're betting on my team more than I am. So five and zero, four and one. Then we got the Jets on the road, October fifteenth. Eagles. That's my first Jets. loss. All right, that's a win. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't like the Giants beating them. That's the first loss. I think primetime Aaron comes out and plays. Then at home against Miami, this is a Sunday night football game. Uh, again, don't know. If Tua's going to be healthy, you never know with this team. I have Philadelphia edge in that one. I think that could be a high-scoring game. That's another one that I think could be close. Eagles win. We got them both at 6-1. and one. I just made my convincing case. Uh, Commanders game, I've got the Eagles winning there. Are they going to stumble against Washington at all no, this season? No, no. Okay, good. Nobody's stumbling against Washington. 7-1. and one. Uh, Cowboys, I think, is going to be a very similar deal that we've seen from the last two years, but the home team prevails in the two matchups. This one's at home. I've got the Eagles winning this one on the 5th of November. Right, I have them winning as well. 8-1, and 8-1. One, and one. Now, this is the little, I'd say, opposite from my whole Rams thing. I think the Eagles get revenge in the Super Bowl. They're going to be coming off of a bye week. They're going to have 15 days between games. They are going to be so uber-prepared and they came so close last year, they will beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. Yeah, no, that's not happening. Kansas City's coming back. Patrick Mahomes is going to remind Philadelphia who's their daddy, and I think he's going to uh, end up having a fun, fun time. Andy Reid will with a couple double cheeseburgers, and I think they'll end up beating Philadelphia as they did in the Super Bowl. Well, I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. Nine and one, eight and two. Uh, then we get the Eagles at home against Buffalo. I think they're going to expend too much energy in that uh, Chiefs game that they are going to cough this one up and drop their second game. Every team goes through a dry spell. I think they lose back to back and they lose to Buffalo in an offensive slugfest. Nine and two, eight and three. Next up is a home game against the Niners. I've got them winning this one. I have them winning. I think that's this is where they rebounded again. I can't emphasize enough. I mentioned it earlier. Quarterback. Who is the quarterback? If again, I still feel it's Trey Lance. No. What if you got? It, it could be an offensive opportunity, of course. When you look at it, if it's anybody else, but again, I just view it as Philadelphia is the better team. So ten and two, nine and three, Cowboys. Again, the score was never really settled here last year because both teams who, that won last this year. Game? This game, it's in Dallas. Now, last year, what happened was both teams beat the other team's backup quarterback. So the two fan bases feel like they were kind of gypped from having a real Prescott Hurts battle. I hope we get that this year. I, I guess I'm going to have Dallas sneaking this one. I do too. Just barely. Yeah. I think I think we see a split. But also, if you want to go based on my Giants predictions as well later, if you base it on the record, right? So if I have them beating the Giants twice, that's the head-to-head advantage, which basically means two-game advantage technically. That's going to really come to play once we get to the end of the schedule. So 10-3, and 9-4. and four. Then we've got Seattle on the road. This is their last loss for me. I've got them losing this one in Seattle. Uh, I have them winning. I Again, I really think that this offense for Seattle is going to take a step back. I think they're going to play borderline 500 football. But Philadelphia at this point in the season, this is where I think they're going to start playing their best football, setting up for the playoffs. And then uh, last game that's not the Giants, we've already gone through those as Arizona. I think we... Yeah, but... but Bayern, no, no words are even needed to be yeah. said here. So we've both got them at 13 and four on another episode we're going to go through the cowboys because uh there's some a shared animosity for both of our teams with the dallas cowboys i feel like we have to bring tyler glass in for that I, yeah we'll, we'll get him in for that they don't have their kicker anymore and uh we might have to bring in ryan Miniker for that conversation yeah. because uh brett maher is now a denver bronco yes because brandon mcmanus apparently wasn't good enough even though he's one of the best kickers in the game for the last decade so i don't know the same team that also gave up matt prater before they went to brandon mcmanus so you have good kickers for eight years and then you just let them go yeah but at least i guess money maher if there's one thing he's good at is kicking 60 yard field goals so maybe he'll set the distance record in Denver, because yeah. he's good at that. But you need extra points. I mean, you don't get to score many touchdowns. Russell Wilson doesn't need extra points. Come on now. Well, I mean, he, he didn't need any last season. He, he couldn't score six. He's Mister Unlimited. I mean, come on now. Are they going to bounce back at all this year? I think they're going to be better than last year. 
I think against Seattle, which is a team, if you want to compare the two, that's going to go backwards. But are they going to win the AFC West? No, they're not beating Patrick Holmes. I still think the Chargers are going to be relatively decent in the Western division. Now, I don't think they're going to compete, of course, with Kansas City. But if you want to talk about borderline third playoff team, I think Denver has the possibility of doing it. But again, you need a lot to go right. And there's another argument that we talked about, which I don't know if we'll get to in this episode, but you know how in the car ride up, we talked about Jacksonville, how we see that team could be doing. Jacksonville is a very easy schedule this year. That can mean a lot for seeding. That can mean a lot for other things because the AFC South, uh, South in particular is relatively weak schedule-wise, which means if you think about it, if there's one stacked division with one team with a high record, that likely means the wild card could come anywhere from in the AFC East where you're talking talking about the Jets, um, I mean, if the Patriots really come to life, but Jets, Miami, um, and then on the West side, I mean, I don't see the Raiders really being a threat this year, right. but if you're talking about a team like the Chargers, um, and of course, like the Broncos, where you could see these teams maybe winning eight, nine games if they're on it, you know, and for the record, some of these teams more, but just thinking of the playoff picture as it was for, for example, the Giants last season, Denver has a chance, but they need to be better than AFC North in, in, in retrospect. And for the record, Steelers are not good. I don't have any motivation in the Browns. I think the Browns are worse than last season, in my opinion. And the Ravens are the only question mark, I feel, because you would argue Cincinnati owns that division. They lead the way, but Lamar has a contract now. So could we see a better Baltimore team? Granted, I still think he needs even more targets. Um, you know, wide receiver wise, but I think the Ravens are still playoff caliber team too. So it comes down to who has the easier schedule. I think when it's all said and done, come the end of the season, it could. I I think I think Baltimore's like with the contract now with Lamar. He's got OBJ. He's got his targets. I think that's one of the more complete Ravens rosters we've seen in recent years. If he can stay healthy down the stretch, again, it's he's, his season's really derailed with injuries. They haven't been bad the last couple of years. Yeah, the offense has been iffy at times and Harbaugh's decisions to go for two-point conversions at the end of games screwed them twice in 2021 but all in all they're not a bad team and they still have a really good defense I mean two really good tight ends too and and by the way not to discredit I don't know if you said the overall record but I think at the end of the regular season when it's all said and done I have Philadelphia 13 and 4 um this team's gonna win the NFC East and I think again the talk of the town this year in terms of the NFC side I think it's going to be the NFC East again in regards to, well, anyone, it's not the commanders, of course, but in terms of not competitive records, but being surprising and surpassing expectations because nobody could have expected, I mean, granted, everybody knew how good Philadelphia was last season, but nobody could have expected the dominance the Eagles set from start to finish. Nobody could have expected as well, even the Cowboys being as consistent as they were after really looking disgusting to start the season last mm -hmm. year. So big picture, you know, I think the NFC East, again, is going to surpass expectations. But, you know, just how we talked about playoff picture on the AFC side. NFC side, you could say the same exact thing because the NFC South, let's be honest, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke right now. Even if Derek Carr does decent, I don't think there's a single team in that division outside of maybe the Saints that can go 500 this season. You know, Falcons are iffy if they play good football, but they're the Atlanta Falcons. They're known for choking for a reason. And the NFC North, I mean, I'm still not fully caught up on the Bears. I think the Packers take a step back. I really not. Zoe, I'm sure you're going to watch this. I think it's a great opportunity for the Detroit Lions to have a chance to prove after missing out last season that this team can be a title threat and a playoff threat in the NFC side. But I, I still think even with Minnesota taking steps down, I feel even though their offense is technically better on paper, I still feel they control that division in the North and on the Western side. I mean, I think Seattle's taking a step back personally, but San Francisco, I think they're going to dominate that division. And you look at everybody else. I mean, the Cardinals disappointing. Uh, what's the other team? Oh my goodness. I'm having a brain fart. NFC West. Seattle, Niners, Niners, Rams, Rams, Rams. Rams. are also. We, we talked about the Rams, Rams so much on the show. Yes, exactly. I, I think the Rams are going to be competing for number one pick this year. So there's a lot of opportunity in NFC more than I was even saying the AFC for a mediocre team to make the playoffs and even make a run. Yeah, it's and this was the case last year. I mean, most of the elite quarterbacks are in the AFC, and now that's been 
compounded. I mean, Aaron Rodgers going from the NFC. Especially when you're in the AFC East at this point. Yes. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers and you got Josh Allen. Two is still pretty good, too. You got Burrow. You got Lamar, Herbert, Mahomes. It's crazy. There's so much happening there. And maybe Russell Wilson. Maybe the ride will be back on. And I mean, NFC side, I guess the only quote-unquote elite quarterback based on last season, you could say there is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and he's more than quote-unquote. He's elite. He is. I mean, people say Dak Prescott's elite, and that's not saying much. Well, does Dak Prescott ever gotten to a Super Bowl, Tim? I don't think so. Has Dak Prescott ever gotten to an NFC championship? I don't think so. Don't tell that to Tyler Glass. Well, yeah, well, again, he's probably watching, so he can understand that. Uh, We're going to have Adam Tropper coming in a couple minutes. Before we do that, though, you've probably seen me sipping on this. Uh, We went to Wawa, and uh, Tim, you had a little... I told you that Wawa never misses, and apparently yeah, Wawa missed. So I got a bowl that was a mistake. I accidentally ordered mac and cheese, mashed potato, a little bowl, and it was supposed to have chicken on it. Yeah, well, the mac and cheese was great. Mashed potatoes were great. They didn't give me chicken. So unfortunately, Wawa missed, and it stinks. We don't have Wawa in New York, so... This is like not my only experience. I've had a lot of Wawa experiences, but the only time that I get Wawa is if I'm in Pennsylvania or Jersey. And unfortunately, Wawa screwed me up this time, you know. So where's my chicken? If you're if there's anybody from Wawa getting this, I want chicken sent to my house or something. I want my money back at least, or the, the, a refund for the chicken. I want my chicken tenders. Are you sure it wasn't like hidden? It was, it was definitely not hidden because I've had their tenders before. Uh, it was simply non-existent. There was spinach, onions in there mixed with the mac and cheese. And that was about it. I'm shocked. Wawa is my saving grace at this point. I love this place. I am lucky to have three within 10 minutes of my house. Caramel cookies and cream milkshake. It is great. You have vanilla ice cream as a milkshake you've got cookies in it it's not just well, cookies. And i know flavor. a lot of times when we go out it's usually the milk you guys end up getting well that's also good yeah. cookies and cream milk now you go to the fridge in the back you go by the regular milk and you see the yoohoo and the quick and all that and then you see wawa brand cookies and cream milk uh, it's not the healthiest stuff the fat is rather scary as is the sugar but the taste is incredible yeah, it's incredible. Not good for me, as you could tell. But, you know, it gets the job done. And I'll say it like this, Wawa, definitely better experience. I would also argue when you, when you look at it um, overall, I mean, you have Quick Check. I like Quick Check. That's at least the closest thing. Only an hour and a half away from me, unfortunately, in New York. Um, but other than that, we have 7-Eleven. And I feel like when I'm in Jersey, I don't understand how... People don't understand this, but like at least when I was in Jersey City, there was literally a 7-Eleven on every other block. So I don't know if I well, I guess for you, you don't really have that experience. I have one near my house. I never think of it. There, there, there's like so many 7-Elevens in Jersey City. It's crazy. I, I literally I wish I recorded on a ride home how many 7-Elevens I passed just on the way through Route One. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Are there any Wawa's or quick checks in that area? Just one. Just one? Just one, and it's right next to Chick Fil A. It's actually merged in a parking lot of Chick Fil A. Wait, is it wait? Do Wawa? A Wawa and the Chick Fil A merged in a parking lot. That is, that is so it's incredible. Not, they're not the same restaurant, but it's like the Wawa, the gas station, and whatever. And then to the left side of it's an entire Chick Fil A parking lot. That is and, yeah, fantastic. So that is uh, on the way to NJCU. That is the place to get chicken, except on Sundays. And yeah, I mean, late night. I think actually after after the Jason Battle buzzer beater. Um, that's where I want to celebrate was Wawa. So two greatest eating establishments ever to be established for eating Wawa and Chick-fil-A in the same place. What else do I know about Chick-fil-A? We don't have that. There's none in New York. Uh, there's one coming in Yonkers, but it hasn't come yet. How, how do we you, don't, we don't, what do you have? Do you have? We just got our first raising canes in New York city. That does nothing for me. Um, so realistically, I guess we have Walter's Hot Dogs, which is all great and grand for those that may know uh, Westchester County. Um, in terms of fast food, we have Taco Bell, a lot of it, unfortunately. We have Wendy's, we have McDonald's, nothing entertaining though. We have Shake Shack. I'm pretty sure there's a thousand Shake Shacks around the country though. So five guys. Shake Shack's good though. No, no, it's good, but I'm saying like, we don't really have big individual things outside of pizza restaurants that stand out in New York. So I, I, there's not a lot of things that we have here that you guys 
don't have in Jersey, pretty much. Yeah, but we aren't in either of those states right now. We we're in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and we found a great Wawa, and we got to enjoy it. It was about like ten minutes away from Nashville. Oh, Nashville! My goodness, I went to Nashville. We're going to be talking this. It's it's a late night. Yeah, it's we're late we're night. approaching uh, late night Nazareth. Here. Thank you, Nazareth Speedway. Unfortunately, we don't have access to that track, but I'm definitely going to see if we can get some photos or anything from distance. Um, that's a track that I would love to see come back. Absolutely would love to see come back. Um, and I know, of course, Dale Jr. and everything did the whole rebuild of North Wilkesboro. I don't understand why this track doesn't have a market, doesn't have anything. To me, if they could save this speedway and turn it into something decent, I think that they can create good racing in this area and a good fan base. Um, because outside of Pocono, which again, yeah, I don't want to see as a dying market because it's not, but, but I just talked about on the top of the show, I've been seeing less and less of Pocono, but there's a massive fan base that people come out to see. I feel like if you give people in Pennsylvania another racetrack to market to go to, that's a win-win. And I just don't see why this track, I mean, I can understand from the stands perspective why it failed, but I can't see why this track exactly failed because it was something unique NASCAR had on the schedule. I mean, we are seeing a lot of 90s and 2000s tracks getting resurrected, not just North Wilkesboro. I mean, Rockingham had right. its chance, Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, well, you know, Rockingham, I, Rockingham had a lot more than just a chance. Rockingham's had a lot of chances yeah. at this point. But, I mean, even IRP and the Milwaukee Mile making it back into the NASCAR right. circuit in at least a capacity. Like, we're, we're seeing some of these other tracks, but... Yeah, Nazareth with a little bridge. It, it was a weirdly shaped track, but it was something different. And on that subject, as we're talking about NASCAR, how fitting. Whopper, Whopper, Adam Tropper just walked into the room Hello. to join us for the end here <laughs> of uh, Motorsports Today. Now, uh, Adam, for those who don't know, he does Motorsports Today with me. And he went to his first NASCAR race in Chicago a couple of weeks ago as a yeah. fan. This is his first time covering a race at a track two very different experiences this month but both incredible and you got to talk to kyle bush today oh yeah that's fun kyle bush is my favorite active driver for those of you who don't know and getting asked him a question in the uh, press room was just really cool so tell the fans at home your two wonderful rain experiences to this point because you haven't seen a race without rain yet yeah yeah so chicago as uh many of you may know uh, had torrential downpour, more rain, uh, more rainfall in Chicago than their entire July averages, uh, and I think it was July first. That was like the biggest day. rainfall in history of Chicago. Was that? Am I wrong? I thought uh, that's what I'm pretty sure it was like biggest for like July. I think the history of July. Okay. Yeah, but, but it's still obviously really substantial. A lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy. I I was standing under bleachers just. Uh, trying to wait it out especially on the day of the cup race sunday like it was raining both days but right. sunday was especially brutal too um so that was fun to say the least at the end of the day got to see a lot of racing though um right right in chicago where i have a lot of family so it was an awesome experience and wouldn't trade it for anything i do wish that the races went before distance so um but now this i mean uh so so far it's uh only day one of three for us but uh i think we can all agree that's been a really cool experience just yeah. being just being able to see everything from the press and media side uh so from a more professional standpoint I, i'm loving it i mean like uh, like we said got to ask kyle bush and christopher bell question already and there's going to be the opportunity for so many more uh within the next two days so uh so i'm really excited but it, to your point the rain uh that's uh was a little bit unexpected we really thought the rain based off forecast would have been done mm -hmm. uh earlier today this uh uh, this morning afternoon but uh nope right when we get back to the track for the moment uh, we were driving yeah we, 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 we went through the, the tunnel for the arca race and next thing you know it, it's uh just downpouring again so but, but you know think about it, we still got that but i guess you could say a special moment we were the last people in the media center with bob Parker. Yeah. so yeah. there was that you yeah. know and, and we got to walk around for a while we were able to get some cool pits uh, around pit road and the garage so uh, it all worked for this best. man is a great photographer, photographer yeah if you're, if you're looking for a guy to take some pics <laughs> yeah. i'm dropper <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, last question for you, Adam, before we sign off. I mean, we're recording this on Friday nights. Obviously, it's being posted sometime on Saturday. Uh, we're going to have such a busy Saturday and then Sunday as well. Looking ahead to the cup race on Sunday. It was a crazy race last year. Denny, Denny won. He and Kyle got DQ'd. Mm -hmm. uh, Chase Elliott won the race. Yeah. Well, who do you see as the favorite coming to this one? I think Denny might be my favorite to uh, get his revenge, if you will, because he's had so much success at Pocono throughout the years. Uh, six wins, I think, right? And mm -hmm. 
if you don't include the uh, DQ. Yep. Uh, but that's more than 10% of his cup wins. He swept there his rookie year, so he can win in any type of car there. And uh, like it, it, he's going for his 50th win, so that is massive uh, and a big piece of motivation for him. So mm-hmm. I don't see why I wouldn't be able to again. Um, in terms of just other people, I mean, you could make the argument Kyle Busch and Ross Chastain, both running the truck race, they'll have extra track time, Christopher Bell as well. So there are a lot of uh, different players. Uh, William Byron's been on his top streak recently, uh, with the exception of last week in New Hampshire, but uh, there, there are too many uh, people to name, but I think I'll just stick with Denny Hamlin being the favorite for now. And with the way Pocono changes every year, that track time always seems to matter. Well, that's going to do it here on Sportspeak. Reminder, Uh, Follow along with our coverage of the motorsports and you can follow along motorsports today at MTRSPRTS today and also on our website sports-speak.com. Go to the motorsports today page or sports-speak.com slash motorsports hyphen today. We are going to have so much coverage for you, pictures, videos, articles, and all of that. You can also follow our motorsports coverage there. Reminder that Sportspeak powered by SeatGeek use promo code SPORTSPEAK, one word, all caps, for $20 off your purchase at checkout. But until next time, great to have a show with all of us together in person, having a good time here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We had our Wawa, even though Tim didn't have his chicken. Chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't even here, so he has no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim didn't get his chicken. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. It's okay, though. I I literally told him that Wawa never misses, and then he was like, where's my chicken? It's tragic. But uh, enough about Wawa. That's it. (laughs) We got to go to bed. We got to be at the track in like seven hours. So yep. I'm Eddie Kalegi. I'm Tim Moore. And I'm Adam Tropper. Signing off of Sports Speak. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.